Hi everyone and welcome to a wildcard special of the FPL playbook. We missed Neil Murray greatly in the last episode. Uh, we were accompanied by Tom from WGTA instead. Uh, but Neil, how are you? I'm pretty good. Um, I'm a bit self-conscious about how I talk from now <laughs> on on these videos after Tom's impression of me. Uh, but other than that, I'm great. Fantastic. Well, we thought it was very important to get you back on the show this week before game week eight, because of course you are on your wildcard, much like me as well. Um, I did show my current wildcard draft in the last video, if anyone wants to go back and have a look. But uh, hopefully Neil's and this video should do a lot of explaining as to where our logic lies at the moment. Um, obviously, if you're enjoying the channel so far as well, it would be great if you could give us a like and uh, subscribe to the channel as well so you don't miss out on any of our future videos. Uh, we'd be really, really grateful if you did. So without further ado, here is Neil's current wildcard team. He sent it to me just five or ten minutes ago, so I know it's current. Um, so I thought it would be great if, to start with, for all the audio listeners, you just read it out all the way through, and then I will try and pick it apart. Cool. So in goalkeepers, Ramsdale and Foster. Defence, I have the City double-up of Diaz and Cancelo. Um, Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Livramento. Uh, in midfield, Salah, Torres, Mount, Embuemo, and Brownhill. And up front, Adam Armstrong, Lukaku, and Antonio. Fantastic. Yeah, some really interesting calls on that one. Uh, I'll be picking those apart any second now, and uh, we'll see how like this draft it is by the time Saturday comes around. I'm sure there'll be a couple yeah. of changes, uh, knowing the Brazilian schedule and everything, and exactly. interviews as well will uh, impact everything, I imagine. Um, but to start off with, let, let's start with the formation you've gone with. I thought that was really interesting. 4-3-3 yeah. yeah. is a popular one on a wildcard at the moment, with good reason, I think. Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool defence all looking quite strong but uh tell us about your logic behind the 4-3-3 at the moment yeah so i was on 3-4-3 until yesterday evening and what my defense looked like before that with the 3-4-3 was cancelo james alexander arnold and then i had duffy or white with livramento mm -hmm. and the thinking was cancelo james potential rotation risks but quite happy for Livermento, especially with his fixture run to come off the bench if needed. Duffy with his goal threat, fine with that. Or White with some pretty decent fixtures, fine with that. So I felt that there was a lot of defensive cover that would be good to come off my bench. So I was going for a very strong bench. So it essentially looked like Embuemo, White or Duffy and Livermento. And because of the players that I've picked, not just in defense, but also across the pitch, Having that strong bench, I felt, was pretty important. Um, so that's why I was on the 3-4-3, just because of the value that I felt was represented in the budget defender options for the bench. The thing that changed my mind is I was actually struggling to find another midfielder mm. that I felt was as reliable in that price range as, say, a Diaz was yeah and that's what stopped me so if, if i want to directly compare so essentially i had saka in my team 6.2 mm -hmm. right um and then i thought what is the what is the 
kind of balance here or what is the decision I'm making? Do I believe Diaz will score more points than Saka for the same price point? Yes, I do. Okay, so what am I sacrificing? I'm sacrificing a White or a Duffy who will be third bench every week over Livramento and, and Boemo who will be above them every single week. Yeah. I'm, sa- I'm sacrificing my third bench player for Saka over Diaz. And essentially, the decision that I came to was that I feel that Diaz will outscore Saka by enough and that my third bench won't be used quite as much as I probably imagine it will be to actually justify going 3-4-3. Free, free. Yeah. And then I just felt Diaz over Saka, if you just forget about position, was a better use of the funds. And when all I'm costing myself is my third bench spot, I just felt it was the right call to make. So that's what's pushed me to 4-3-3. And then just to touch on why I've gone double City rather than double Chelsea, um, I really feel like City's defensive numbers are just very clear of everyone else's. And as I've said on a couple of shows this season, you know, the amount of XGC Chelsea are conceding is actually pretty concerning to me. I know they've had kind of tough fixtures, but I'm still actually not confident enough to probably double up, um, especially with the rotation risk as well. Yeah. Um, and even if you look at Mendy, I think only Meslier has uh, more uh, saves per minute. So a lot of the clean sheets they've got have actually been thanks to Mendy and not actually because of their sturdy defence. Mm. So for me, if I was going to double up, I wanted to prioritise City over Chelsea. Yeah, that makes complete sense. And I think what you said about the trade-off between Diaz and Saka is a really important consideration for anyone to make on a wild card at the moment. It's very easy to get um, uh, nostalgic over making sure you go for a midfielder or a forward and see yeah. see just points blaring and the, uh, the idea that yeah. these players can score big, which of course the midfielders and attackers definitely have the potential to. But if Diaz is keeping a clean sheet in 50% of the games, that's 19 on average a season, is Saka, for instance, as the example you use, going to be returning an attacking return once every two games? Even over this good run, I would say that's arguably quite unlikely. Um, So I can completely see the logic behind going for the safety pick of Diaz with the chance of an odd goal here and there. Um, and exactly. like you said, City's defence looks possibly even better than it ever has done before. So a clean sheet every other game isn't unlikely and it might even be better than that as well. So I, th- yeah. I think the double think, City defence is a great shout. Yeah, and I think there's two things to mention as well from a City perspective. Is their fixtures are so good. You want to you have at least two in your side if you're wildcarding right now. Obviously in midfield and attack, it's very hard to call who is going to play. Um, so Diaz and Cancelo, you, you almost guarantee yourselves two City players for those fixtures, whereas you can't really do that further up the pitch. You go one City defender and one midfield or attacker, you might just end up with one City player. Um, and if you've got, and if that one City defender is Cancelo, you might end up with zero City players in those fixtures. Yeah. And I was just something that I didn't really want to put myself in the position of the other thing to mention around formation, I think is a wild card is not only an opportunity to give yourself a fresh start in terms of players. It's also a fresh start in terms of formation. And the way that I 
the way that I think you should approach a wild card is not say, right, I'm going to play three, four, three. Who, who, who should I pick? Hmm. Or I'm going to play three, five, two. Or I'm going to play four, four, two. Who am I going to pick? I don't believe that that's the right way to look at it. You should start by looking at how is the season playing out? Where are the points coming from? Where is the value? What are the fixtures? And then build kind of the optimal side and see where you get to with that formation. So I don't think it's a, it's the most efficient way to think formation first, but rather look for points first yeah. and players first and then figure out what the formation you're going to play is. Yeah, and I think another important point on that as well is the amount of other options that aren't on this wildcard draft right now that are in defence around that budget. So obviously Man yeah. United defenders aren't something any of us are considering right now, but Luke Shaw at 5.5 at some point is going to be a factor. Dinia as well, similarly, not really in any of our considerations right now, but could easily be a factor up at that slightly more premium price bracket. And to hop off any of these guys that you've got at the moment is going to be really easy. You could also hop across to, at some point, who knows, John Stones might be in fashion again. You might have a different Chelsea defender, which seems to be getting the minutes like, like Ben Chilwell, for instance. So this allows that flexibility and we know the points are coming in defence at the moment, like you said uh, very correctly there. So I don't really think I've got as much confidence in the lower or mid price bracket for midfielders to know that every week I can hop across to another one that's going to get me as many points as a Diaz or a Cancelo at the moment. So I think that's a really wise way of going. I I would endorse it because I'm also doing the same thing. Um, another interesting player that we haven't touched on in your defence at the moment uh, is Reese James, who was pitcher back in training earlier this week. I have to say, I think he's probably in my latest wildcard. It's probably a 50-50 between him and Rudiger. But explain to us why you've got James in over any other Chelsea defender at the moment. Yeah, well, there's a couple of reasons. I think the Chilwell Alonso debate is just something I don't want to get into. I don't really want to touch either of them because I think they're such a threat to each other. And w with other rotation risks in my team, I don't really want to go there. So I, I don't want to try and second guess it. So I just want to avoid it. I don't think I can necessarily get it right. Um, so I don't want to touch it. What are the other options? I mean, as Pelaqueta, um, decent option, um, but one of the more expensive. Um, hmm. I think James is pretty nailed. If he is back, I, I think he will start the majority of the games. Um, I think ever since Lukaku has come to the side, they need him in that right wing back uh, position uh, to feed him. Um, I think from a stats perspective, we've also talked about it on the show, like the, the number of chances he creates and his threat going forward um, is better than only by Trent, I believe. Yeah. Um, so for me, he is that attacking threat. I don't mind the odd benching um, for him uh, with Livermento there. So I'm not overly concerned about that. I just think he is the but like if you're looking for a Chelsea defensive option, I I just believe he's the best option. Mm. Um, and both from attacking threat wise, both from a kind of is he going to play perspective, and if you really want to target the Chelsea fixtures that you know the next four, which look so amazing, you you expect him to score goals in them actually more than anything, and. So in my team, I've gone for Lukaku, obviously, 
Um, but I'm also looking at who are the two players who are most likely to feed Lukaku. And if I expect him to do well in those games, then I'm really going to back that judgment. And I'm going to go also go with the two players who I think will feed him most, which are Reese James and Mason Mount. Yeah. Um, so for me, it's a, it's a triple up on Chelsea attack uh, as well, in a, in a way. Um, and also, I think the price point is great. You know, even though I have Diaz in my team, um, and I had had Rudiger the last week or two, I, I don't really like spending a lot on central defenders. And having Diaz and Rudiger in my team would also be probably against the way that I like to play the game as well. Um, so yeah, for me, Reese James. I mean, I think it's a it's a big risk, but at the price point, if he's fit, we know his threat, and uh, I just think. If I'm going to target those Chelsea fixtures for goals, then I'm going to go all in on it and just triple up on where I think that that threat is going to come from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, Chelsea have struggled greatly since Rhys James has been out for creative output. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Um, and it was only until I saw Rhys James back in training um, that, well, it was only once I saw him back in training, rather, that I remembered just how creative he looked before he got sent off and then injured and Chelsea yeah. in the very short time frame they had with both Reese James and Lukaku on the pitch I think Mount also was a factor in this but were able to create a much greater output and many more chances I think Lukaku in his first game got eight shots on goal against Arsenal um, Arsenal meanwhile have got three clean sheets in their last four so they're no mugs at the back and Lukaku bullied them and it was in part due to the creativity on on display from both Mount and James. So I think Tuchel will be keen to have both of them back in the starting lineup as soon as they're they're both fully ready. Mount, there's no reason to expect that he wouldn't be ready, of course, but James is the question mark. And I suppose on a wild card, I, my attitude to risk right now, as it looks like yours is similar, is to take that punt on Reese James, hope that he is fit for the Brentford game, but... If not, you've got Livramento at home to Leeds on the bench. Exactly. And after yeah. that, the worst the worst person that's going to come on after that for you is Embuemo, which And yeah. he's one of the best 5.5 mids out there at the moment for value and in terms of XG. And even though it is against Chelsea, obviously understandable why he is on the bench for you. Any, any attacking midfielder playing up front for a team with the output that Brentford have got, has always got an opportunity for a goal. So I wouldn't say it's a nightmare no matter what happens, even if both James and Cancelo, for instance, are out of this game. You've got them both for next week. And at home to Norwich just seems absolutely primed for a Reese James 18-pointer, doesn't it? So fingers crossed on yeah. that one. I completely understand the logic. And as long as... Um, Tuchel doesn't come out and say Reese James won't be fit for this week. He he will absolutely be in my wild card as well as yours. It seems so. Uh, yeah, good good call on that. And I think it's getting ahead of getting ahead of the the newly forming template yeah. as well. So very interesting one there. Um, we won't spend t too much time or any time on Salah because I think that speaks for itself. Um, yeah. Before we go on to the midfield, actually, I realise we've skipped past uh, an important inclusion, which seems to be a popular one in the community at the moment. Aaron Ramsdale at the back. Uh, tell us uh, briefly why you have picked the Arsenal keeper over uh, Sanchez, Raya, 
uh, or some of the more expensive keepers out there at the moment? Yeah, I think for me, it's just mainly due to fixtures and their improving defence. I think over the last four, they, they're kind of the fourth best defence. Um, at the back end of last season, they also looked pretty solid. Um, you know, obviously they started this season pretty poorly, letting in a lot of goals. Um, but since Ramsdale has come in, since they've formed the new partnership in central defence, I think they've looked a lot more solid. Um, they often look to build from the back. Um, and they have a good run of fixtures. Um, so, you know, I, I, I still think Arsenal finished, you know, top eight. Um, I'm not as sure on Brighton of finishing top eight as I am on Arsenal or on Brentford. So, you know, I just think that he's playing for a better team um, who will keep more clean sheets ultimately. I think Basuma is a miss for Brighton in terms of their defensive solidity. I think Sanchez is pretty limited to get six points, whereas Ramsdale has more room to, to BPS. Um, so for me, it was a pretty easy decision. Um, I think Reyes interesting, but I, even though they've looked solid defensively, I still don't think Brentford will get more clean sheets than Arsenal. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, to be honest, not a lot of like, not a lot of original thinking went into why I'm, I'm getting Ramsdale. I just think Arsenal have shown good defensive form and they have, some good fixtures coming up and he's a 4.5 when I bought him uh keeper playing for a team that's going to finish in the top eight yeah and he seems to be marshalling that defense really well he seems yeah. to be much more vocal than Leno and I think that suits how Arsenal and how they are at the back because they need that leader and I think it's no coincidence that since he's he's come in they have looked solid not just as a keeper, but in front of uh, the in front of the keeper in the back four as well. Obviously, Thomas Partey being back too has helped that. But they look like much more of a unit than they did in the opening few game weeks. It's also important to say yeah. they had a difficult start as well, which I think a lot of people have yeah. just blown over. And the fixtures yeah. have eased. And whilst the fixtures are still good, I think he's a very decent shout. Um, I think if yeah, I've... sorry, go on. I've had some, so I was going to say, I've had some success with budget Arsenal keepers before as well. I actually am a Emmy Martinez OG who owned him <laughs> for 4.3 4.3 million at Arsenal at the back end of a season a couple of seasons ago. Mm. Um, Just before they made the fantastic well decision to sell him. <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was very surprised. Like, I actually watched a lot of their games during that period just because I had him in goal and I was amazed at how good he was then, actually. So there, there may be a, some, a little bit of kind of uh, yeah, some emotional bias towards cheap Arsenal goalkeepers doing well for me <laughs> as well. But uh, I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in the pick. Yeah, I, I think look, they're at worst Arsenal are a very comfortable top half side. They're probably a seventh or eighth place side based on overall performances so far. And having a 4.5 million keeper, even in a side around there in the table, he's going to make a lot of saves and hopefully keep. 10 15 clean sheets somewhere in that range so i think you could do a lot worse than ramsdale um okay let's move on because i feel like everyone's been talking about the keepers this week um salah like i said we won't spend any time on because he's got 70 points already he's away at watford i think everyone knows why he's in the side torres is the next big inclusion now this is an exciting one and a very risky pick but explain to us your logic yeah. behind this because i'm getting quite excited by the idea of torres as well but i need somebody to 
maybe bring me back down to earth or tell me why he's realistically a good pick for this week? Yeah, I think, to be honest, it would have been Rafinha if I was confident Rafinha was going to play this week. Um, But on wildcard, and with already having a few risks in my team, I just don't want to put Rafinha in. It just feels a bit, I don't know, it it feels like a mistake to put in a player that you know is, let's wait on the news, but that you know is definitely not going to play, especially when you have players like Cancelo, James, maybe uh, Trent is back, but but still. Mm. Um, But when you have a couple of players who are potentially a doubt or could be rested or whatever, then I feel like to deliberately pick a player that you know isn't going to play when you're on wildcard just feels like a bit of a stretch for me. So if the news comes that Rafinha isn't going to play, we'll wait to see what Bielsa says. Um, I'm thinking, okay, well, where's the best, where's the best kind of short-term pump I could go Mm. before I move for Rafinha, right? And you're looking at City against Burnley, uh, you know, also everyone's been saying they always beat them 5-0. I don't think that doesn't necessarily mean they beat them 5-0 this time. You watch, it's going to happen again now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but but still, like, uh, and I think, you know, Foden played a lot of minutes over the internationals. Like, you know, I know Torres has been out of favour for some reason. Um, And I'm not... I'm. I haven't picked him because I think he's going to start. I have no idea if he's going to start. I'm not going to say I think Torres is starting this weekend. I have no idea. No one does. Um, so I think convincing yourself that he's going to start is the wrong approach and you shouldn't pick him for that reason. Mm. I think for me, if you just want to take a one-week pump and you've got Livramento and Bremo on your bench, um, then if he starts, great. You've got a ticket to the pep lottery <laughs> of the five goals against Burnley. Yeah. If he doesn't, so what? Like, I'm, I'm going to get someone off the bench. Um, but he's not a long-term pick for me. No. Um, and that, that spot is for Rafinha. So it is just a one-week ticket to a lottery. Um, and I'm not, you know, I, I'm not picking him because I think he's going to start. I obviously hope he does. And I think he does have a good chance. Um, but I'm not going to try and predict that. I'm just buying a ticket to a lottery and hoping it pays off. And if it doesn't, I've got Embremo or Livramento coming off the bench for him. Yeah. So... I'm not, I'm not overthinking it, to be honest. I just think I want to have a City attacker in that game. And it's it's not a long-term pick. I can move him on to Rafinha again, who I do want long-term. So, yeah, that's that's the thinking behind it. Yeah, I'm at the moment, I'm exactly the same on Torres. I think if Rafinha is confirmed out, then Torres seems to be the perfect fit. If you are on a wild card, if, if you're just doing it for one week and you're going to shift him in and out, then I don't think that's necessarily a, something to do um, because Rafinha is the good long-term hold and I think you just take one week of pain. But if you're on a wild card and you you can set up however you want, I think Torres is maybe the way to go. A lot of City forums think he's at 80-90% to start which is always a dangerous uh, precedent to set. But I think if anyone's got a chance of starting in that number nine role for City, he's probably the one who has the best shout at it at the moment. Um, Obviously, Foden, Grealish, uh, even Jesus, although I think he's um, going to have the same problem with Brazil, all have good chances as well. And if they play, then they're just as likely to explode against Burnley. But I think Torres seems to be just cheap enough for me to warrant that risk and i think the yeah. upside is just so tempting that if rafinha is out he's he's the way i'll go as well 
Um, okay. Yeah, and I think it all depends on on where you're looking to spend your transfers over the next three weeks, yeah. few weeks, right? So I, I'm not going to transfer any of my defenders out unless of injury. I'm not mm-hmm. going to transfer Salah out. I don't want to transfer out Mount or Lukaku above those four. Uh, Adam Armstrong, I want to give a couple of weeks. Yep. Antonio, I'm not transferring out. Um, and Boema, I'm not transferring no. out. So, you know, where am I going to use my transfers? Or can I afford to take a one-week punt or a two-week punt on someone in this team, right? There's no, maybe Adam Armstrong is my other one. We can get onto that, but one or two short-term punts, if you've also built a side that you're happy to sit with for four, five, six weeks, I think is perfectly okay. So I think if you can afford to take the punt as well, but if you've got, say, a Torres, if you've got a midfield of, say, Torres, Jota, Greenwood, <laughs> you know, and you've got all these punty players that you're going to need to move in and out, then maybe bringing in Torres for Rafinha this week isn't wise, right? But if you can afford to take user transfer on him for one or two weeks, then I think it's a, it's it's a, it's a decent move to make. Yeah, I agree, and I think Rafinha is the glue guy that you want to hold on to. But if you've got yeah. if you've got another punt or two in that midfield, then it's probably not worth Torres. Um, but if you don't and you want someone to uh, have a quick in and out on, then Torres might be your guy. Okay, cool. So on to Mason Mount. We uh, briefly talked about him yeah. at the moment, but um, are you convinced that he's back in the fold for Chelsea starting and fundamentally a part of Tuchel's plans moving forward? I would imagine so. Yeah. Um, no reason why again, not, eh? you know, no, no, it's again, it's only a guess. I, I do think that Mount has looked like someone who would benefit from Lukaku inside. Um, mm-hmm. and like I said, it's just, it's just my, it's just kind of a guess really that I think James and Mount will be the two that, that supply Lukaku the most. Um, so again, it's just a punt on those fixtures and go in for the biggest upside I can see on it. And, and the biggest upside. I can see is to get the three players that I think will be involved in the most goals. Um, So yeah, the, the Mount is a fixtures pick. I think his numbers have been a little up and down. I mean, when he has been in the side, I think he's been good on the XA, been pretty decent for them. Yeah, exactly. He's been pretty decent for them. Um, So that's why, Um, but no, no heavy thinking. I just don't, I I just think I prefer him over Jota, I prefer him over Foden. Um, just for this next run of fixtures. Um, so that's why I've gone Mount and just want to really go all in and attack those three fixtures when I can, when I'm on wildcard. And I think a lot of people will go double Chelsea defence and Lukaku. Mm. Um, and if I have these kind of little doubts about how secure that defence actually is, then I also see it as an opportunity to attack the Chelsea fixtures a different way, go double attack. Because if I, if I think they, they might concede here and there, but they're going to score three or four goals then I want to be back in the attack rather than the defence. So it's also a way for me to stand by my own opinions and my own interpretation of what I've seen from Chelsea or how I'm interpreting the data and then applying it to my own team, right? Because ultimately, I think that's what we've got to do here is to use your own interpretations and of eye test and data to apply it to your own team. And there's no point in me saying, I think Chelsea have looked you know, maybe a little shakier than the numbers suggest and then sit here with two Chelsea defenders in my team. And I know that I want three Chelsea players, so I'm going to double up on the attack instead. And I think Mount is outside of Lukaku, probably the most secure and the one who's going to score the most points. So 
Yeah, that's what I've got now. Yeah. They they certainly looked, whilst Mount was out of the team, they looked like they were missing that link up. And I think it was most obvious against Man City um, that they just had a bank of five, three, and then Lukaku was just somewhere hovering up at the top of the pitch. And there was just no way of linking the two. And Mount provides that link really well. And I don't think, look, if I can notice that as some guy who has a YouTube show, yeah. too sure. Definitely will notice that and will prioritise yeah. bringing Mount back in, surely. So um, I think that that's probably quite a safe pick. Um, and I, li- I like the upside for him. So I'll definitely be giving him some good consideration in the next couple of days. Okay, cool. So uh, the final midfield slot that you'll probably be using, I, d- I don't think we need to discuss Brownhill too much. Um, but Mbwemo is an exciting shout. I think he's uh, 3.4, 3.5 XG already this season, scored two goals, 5.5 million up front for Brentford out of position. Looks like an absolutely fantastic shout. But Chelsea at home this week, are you obviously you are happy, but why are you so happy to have him as a long-term hold, just sat on the bench for a couple of weeks? Yeah, I think you you nailed it already in the introduction to him. He's five point five and playing out of position mm-hmm. for a team that is that is scoring uh, goals as well, right? Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think the interesting thing with Embraimo in my team is that I'm actually currently going to bench him most weeks, at least the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. is the plan, and that's also why it's allowed me to get a Torres um, and allowed me to get a James because I have two solid players that I'm more than happy with coming off the bench. Yeah. So it is a bit of coverage from the bench. Um, and then, of course, the fixtures open up for them. Um, and then then I can kind of reassess on Mount, reassess on Torres or, or Rafinha, even if it's Rafinha in my team at that point, mm-hmm. or even Adam Armstrong's slot, um, although I am earmarking that for, for someone very close to him. Yeah, though. I thought you might um, be. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, uh, it, it gives me it gives me options, right? It gives me options off the bench. It gives me options to then move him into my eleven um, ahead of those fixtures. And he's five point five playing up front, um, out of position, um, and he's he's looked great. So yeah, for me, it's the optionality he brings to my side is the reason why I've gone with yeah. him. Yeah, I think he's also a f- fantastic security blanket for the first couple of weeks whilst you've got Torres in the side and a couple of slightly risky defenders as well that if there is an injury and you need to make a transfer elsewhere, you you don't necessarily have to take the minus four because you've got Embuemo on the bench. He can provide that cover. If not this week at home to Chelsea, he's got Leicester away next week. And that's not a terrible fixture I wouldn't necessarily be starting him ahead of anyone else in this squad in that fixture, but he's certainly a nice option to have if, say, Alexander-Arnold gets injured, for instance, and you've also got worries elsewhere. Maybe Torres didn't play the last match and you want to move on for Rafinha. You can make that move, just have Embuemo in the starting eleven and wait for, for Trent to come back the week after, and you don't need to be taking any hits or any major squad surgery. <laughs> I think Embuemo at 5.5 and is still very low-owned as well, I must say. So he's, exactly. he's great yeah. to have already in before the fixtures do turn, I think, because he will be a hot topic in game week 10 at the least. As will uh, Tony who I'm sure is in your thoughts. And that brings us nicely on to who looks like a bit of a placeholder for him at the moment, uh, Adam Armstrong. So uh, tell us what you think of Adam Armstrong at the moment and what's inspired you to go for him in your in your side. 
Well, I am a Newcastle fan, right? So I, I have uh, I have been aware of Adam Armstrong for a while. Mm -hmm. um, I know I know um, I've I have always been a bit of a fan. I know how many shots he takes. I think his shot volume is kind of second to none. Yeah. At least last year it was in the in the championship, and I think he's also been having a lot of shots in the Premier League so far. Um, I like I like strikers who take a lot of shots, um, even if they're not necessarily always of the highest quality. I think Southampton. Um, I was listening to Black Box this morning. I think they were they were somewhere around mid table for for most attacking side, despite having kind of second worst fixtures. Yeah. So I think with a easier run of fixtures, we will potentially see an upturn in their attack. I think Adam Armstrong will be the guy that that scores for Southampton. I think there's a possibility for penalties um, while Ward Prowse is out the next couple. Yeah. Um, I am a kind of a fixtures player. Um, they have two home games in their next games. Uh, I'm not as keen on Brentford's fixtures, which is obviously why I benched Embuemo. I do think Tony is the best long-term option in that price range. And something I should have said at the, the top was I actually have 0.7 mil left in the bank with this side as well. And definitely some of that money is earmarked to turn Armstrong into Tony if I feel like that's a move I need to make in a couple of weeks. So... He is a placeholder. I, I think also like Morpai has one good game this week, but then he doesn't the next. Um, and Armstrong, and I you don't can think hold long term if you need to. You can hold yeah. it. Let's say he returns, you know, let's say he scores three in the next two, then maybe I don't want to move him on yet ahead of some more good fixtures mm. for Southampton. And so again, it's about optionality. I, I'm definitely earmarking Tony in for Armstrong at some point, but I'm not for sure going to make it in two weeks. I might not need to. And again, it gives me the optionality around that price point. And I think he's the best pick if you're on wildcard today for the next couple. Um, and I think he will outscore Tony in the next couple. And then you can kind of take it from there. Again, like what I said with the transfers, where am I going to spend my transfers in this team? And this spot is what I'm looking at. The Torres spot is what I'm looking at. The Mount spot will be one I look at after these fixtures clear up, right? So there's only three spots in my team that I want to play around with in the attack that I see as fluid. And this Adam Armstrong spot is one of them. So why not go for who I consider will be the best pick for the next couple? Um, so that's why I've gone for him. And I think the the kind of the uptick in fixtures, potential penalties is kind of yeah, the, the cherry on the cake as well. Yeah. Okay, um, so I'll pose the qu the question because the player I've got in that spot at the moment, and this might be my negative bias as a Southampton fan, but I'm yeah. I'm not fully convinced that he's getting the supply that he needs, and with um Ward Prowse out over for the next couple, he he might also struggle to get that supply. Obviously, he'll get penalties, but that's that's if we can make it that far up the pitch without Ward Prowse. <laughs> so that's always the question mark. Um, but the player I've got in place at the moment is Huang uh, for Wolves at yeah. 5.6 million, I think it is now. Um, away at Villa this week, so not quite as uh, attractive a fixture. Why uh, Why have you gone Armstrong over a player like Huang at the moment? What What's your uh, thought process there? Okay, so I think there's two things. So I think fixtures are better for Armstrong. Mm -hmm. um, I think... He has penalties. So fixtures and penalties, in my mind, are worth 0.4 mil. That's fine okay. for me. But on top of that, what makes up an extra 0.4 is the fact that Wang, for me, even if he starts, he's going to be one of the first players to come off. They have so many options up front. 
he's going to get 60, 70 minutes. If they need a goal, what's not working out, he's going to come off 60, 70 minutes. Adam Armstrong is going to play 90 minutes for Southampton. Mm. I'm probably going to get an extra, I'm potentially going to get an extra hour out of him in the next two games with better fixtures and the possibility of penalties and I'm paying 0.4 mil more. Yeah, true. Um, so that, that's my argument for Armstrong over Wang. Yeah, and if it's a short-term placeholder for Tony in game week 10 or 11 yeah. anyway. Exactly. Yeah, that does make exactly. sense. Okay, interesting. I'm, I might have to revisit this because I'm going to the Southampton game this weekend. So um, <laughs> it would be exciting to have at least one Saints player in my starting lineup to, to really extra cheer on for. Okay, cool. So that that's uh, food for thought. Um, I won't hover too long on Lukaku at all because I think we've discussed Chelsea at length already, and I think it's just one of the most obvious yeah. picks on a wild card at the moment. Um, yeah. All you have to do is look at the fixtures and his underlying stats, and it, it's clear to see why he's the the premium forward of choice at them at the moment. Um, what I will ask you about briefly is Antonio. And obviously he's seen a bit of a downturn in form recently, not a terrible downturn, but less so than the opening three weeks anyway. Uh, what, uh, what convinces you to hold him on a wild card and, uh, and possibly hold him long-term as you, as you've suggested already? Yeah, I think that, He's given me absolutely no reason to sell him. Yeah. Um, I, 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 it's, the, it's the easy answer. I don't really think that any other player in that price range has made a convincing argument that I should pick them over Antonio. Um, I, I still think West Ham are pretty reasonable attacking side. Um, I think the form and all sort of fitness that he's shown this season um, has been exceptional. And I've watched quite a bit of West Ham and, you know, I think he looks so much of a threat every time he goes forward. I can't say that for others. Uh, obviously, Jimenez has, has got his confidence back a little bit. I've had him the last couple of weeks. I still couldn't make a case for picking Jimenez over Antonio in my mind, not from watching Wolves or from watching West Ham so far this season. Um, I, I just think he's in the form of his life. He's given me no reason to sell him. Um, and yeah, sure, the fixtures are not not um, not amazing. And like I said before, I am a fixtures guy, but I also think that you have to recognize when form is as strong as someone like Antonio at that price point. Um, yeah, until he gives me a reason to sell him, I'm not going to sell him until there's kind of three, four blanks and he, he isn't doing anything. Um, I'm, I'm not going to sell him. I think we're... He's uh, he plays at a premium players level, um, and what is he seven point seven? Or I, I'm a bit confused because I've had him since. The uh, you'll you'll probably um, have him at seven point seven for selling value because I think he's up at eight for selling eight, value eight yeah. now. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but he plays like a nine ten million uh, player from a points perspective, like double digit returns, very consistent with them. Um, so yeah, like uh, honestly, it's uh, I, I don't think I ever considered selling. Yeah, like it didn't even cross my mind. Yeah, it it just seems like plain over management to me at, at the moment yeah, as well. And Antonio exactly. has got a yeah. good track record against good sides, so there's no reason to think that returns aren't coming in the next four, even though fixtures do toughen slightly. Um, so yeah, I, I think that one's a, a fairly simple one as well. But uh, I wouldn't be suggesting going Jimenez over him, for example, and the other options. DCL Bamford, for instance, aren't anywhere 
near yeah, our yeah. thoughts right now uh, and would probably take three or four weeks to get going back in the sides and scoring a couple of goals before they did enter my thoughts. Um, so yeah, yeah I, I think Antonio is a nice and simple pick. Um, so I think that rounds it off, really. I don't think there's anything to talk about with the rest of your bench. Liveramento, I think, picks himself at 4.2. Uh, Foster in goal, the only real 4.0 option that looks like he might be starting regularly. Um, I don't know how uh, Ranieri coming in might affect that, but uh, he's in and around the side, which is more than we can say about any other 4.0s. And Brownhill at 4.4 seems uh, a relatively comfortable yeah. pick. Fixture this week, obviously not one that we're looking at, but medium term has a few half decent fixtures in there. So if you absolutely need uh, it, then he's not the worst player to have off the bench, right? No. And he'll be third on my bench every single week without fail. I would never put him above Livermento or Emboy. No, no. Doesn't matter. Doesn't basically doesn't matter about the fixture. He's just gonna sit third on my bench every yeah, week. Yeah, I'm I'm the same. And I think the if he was four point five, I might be interested at looking at uh, other options around that mark. Yeah, but sure. because he's yeah. 0.1 less, it gives me that 0.1 to play with elsewhere. And because he's going to be last on my bench, it's not a consideration I'm making whatsoever. Uh, I don't think any of the options around that price mark are worth the extra 0.1 or 0.2 um, not to be sat third on the bench for the one time a season they come on. So yeah, I, I think that's nice and simple. Um, guys, if you wanted to ask us a question please do feel free uh, about the wildcard or indeed about anything else um let us know in the comments we'll try to get back to you as quickly as possible uh, any dilemmas you've got going into game week eight then please also give us a message on twitter or playmaker uh, our handles are the same on both um fpl pricey for me and ronnie aldinho for neil so that's all from us today uh, please do Check out Playmaker in the App Store or on uh, or, or for Android download as well uh, on Google Play. Uh, it's completely free to download. The team planner that we've been showing throughout this video is from our free team planner tool on web. And that will show you all the way through to game week 38. You can plan the wildcard and check it out for weeks and weeks and weeks in advance and get properly obsessed with it if you want to so um, check it out the links are all in the description so please do feel free to have a look at that uh, and lastly if you're still here if you didn't already please remember to give us a like if you've enjoyed it and subscribe to the channel so you are notified whenever we post any new videos uh, but that's all from us today i've been sam Yep, and thank you from me, and uh, good luck with your wildcard as well, Sam. Thanks very much. I'll be posting it on Playmaker in the coming days, but I'm sure it's uh, scheduled for quite a lot of change just yet. But uh, thanks, guys, uh, and we'll see you next week for Game Week 9. Uh, we hope all your arrows are green. It's a goodbye from me. Yeah, and goodbye from me. Bye, guys.